Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. I'm your host. This is the original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. Just got back from Minsk where I had my very first debut solo show, which was pardon the French, but a total head fuck. Um, in the best possible way, it was a really surreal trip. Really, sort of random story and sequence of events as to how how it happened and came around. You know, came around. It wasn't something I had planned to do anytime soon. Um, I loved the idea. Don't get me wrong, of a solo show, um, and I, it just you know it was something that was ticking around. I had real passionate personal projects that I would have loved to have uh, pursued and done, and you know it felt some way off. I think these things always do, and sometimes you are thrown in at the deep end. So what happened is I got this email from the British Embassy in Minsk and coincidentally I had illustrated a feature on Minsk for Escapism Travel Magazine which is a free travel magazine that goes out with the Evening Standard in London and it was a really cool feature and the overriding kind of feel and the opinion of the editor who travelled there and and spent some time in Minsk was that this was a place that was not too far detached from um, kind of, you know, um, sort of Stalin era and a very sort of post-Soviet mentality, and that there were, you know, there was a resolve and a fire to the people there, and um, so this was quite an exciting opportunity. So I thought, okay, well, the initial approach was to visit the in, the Minsk International Book Fair and to go and talk about my book, Champagne and Wax Crayons, um, which the guys from the embassy had found on Amazon. So thanks to Amazon for the <laughs> for representing the book well. Um, and they, you know, they floated the idea and said, "Look, we, you know, we'd we'd like to get you out here for four or five days to come and partake in events in the book fair. We can talk about ideas. It's kind of a blank canvas. Uh, we can promote the book. We can have you talk uh, to the local design community, and you know, and whatever else. And as the conversation gathered momentum, you know, this has gone on for a few months now. Um, they floated the idea of sort of putting on an exhibition and said, "Would it be too crazy to talk about it?" And you know. As I guess anyone in this industry knows, you say yeah to these things. You you don't sort of back up and freak out, which was the initial feeling. I thought, okay, well, I, whether I'm up to that is another thing. But yeah, I've got a body of work which I guess we can use. So the conversation started, and the long story short, I went out, flew out last Wednesday to Minsk, um, and you know I'd heard stories of it being like minus twenty five this time of year. So quite an exciting thing. The furthest east I've ever been is Serbia. So to go to uh, to Belarus admittedly not a country that was ever previously on my radar, was quite an unknown quantity and I didn't really have an impression of the place. So um, so it all it all went on and I went out there last week and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. The people were, were so inspiring. Um, the guys at the embassy were tremendous. They really looked after me and made a big deal of me coming over. They promoted the exhibition well. We did the cool poster and you know they got it out there at the book fair to the local creative collectives uh, design community but beyond that i didn't know what to what was going to be happening or going on so you know we were i was collected from the hotel introduced to the guys going have some the local food and the drinks and really get a feel for the place and it was fantastic what i found my sort of takeaway impressions is that this is a place with some really amazing architecture in the streets it's a real kind of mishmash of as the guys told me, sort of Stalin-era architecture and kind of the, the buildings that have survived from sort of pre-war. So it's quite an inspiring visual place, quite quite different to what I'm used to seeing in London. Um, but the people were were wonderful. 
and they would all come up to me and ask over the course of the, the trip, be it the book fair or the exhibition night or the two talks that I did into the local networking, uh, sort of co-working exhibition spaces, they were all really fascinated to, to know what I thought about Minsk and about uh, the Belarusian people and, you know, what what did I... What? How did I feel about their personalities? The you know the work, the the way the city felt to me as a, as an Englishman from New from, uh, from New York. Jesus, I'm not Sting from uh, from London. Um, and it, this this was kind of a sort of loaded question in a sense. Quite it felt quite pressured because they were really keen to know about this. And as time went on during the trip, what I started to see was that maybe these were the first. Maybe this was a generation that felt it was on their shoulders to kind of build this identity for Belarus. And I may be totally wrong uh, in saying that. Maybe I'm going out on a limb. But the the general opinion was, you know, that, that this country is a country still in, uh, you know, under sort of rule of uh, a government that seems to be quite, I don't know what the right word is, um, I guess stifle people's creativity in some respects. This seemed to be a feeling I got from designers that they were having to really fight for everything that they were doing. Um, and I went to a number of places um, to sort of like the sort of union of designers in Belarus and talked to guys who've been you know working for thirty forty years, winning awards for posters, really iconic kind of Eastern design style, and they were all full of amazing ideas and really keen to sort of know what I did, what I thought, what you know, and and. They were they were there was such a determination that had been built from what I what I understood was quite a, a t- tough set of circumstances. You know, it seemed to be that there was kind of financial trouble at the at the moment, like e- economic strife, and you know they were always in the face of adversity. And I'm certainly a big believer that desperation can breed great fight and results. You know, it's I can't cl- lay claim to having ever lived with it, such adversity, but. You know, coming from a, a sort of smaller working class town with not a lot of money growing up, it kind of bred into me this idea that if I didn't make something from my own artistic talents, that my alternative was factories or retail, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those jobs. But to me, with a, an active imagination, this felt like a, a scenario that I did not want to um, take on. So, you know, I had to do something with this degree. So fire that up 10 times more, you know, and and, and it really showed in these people and they were they were very cool. They were... It was a real cosmopolitan city, in my opinion, and I just—I was so inspired by that level of determination, and and really kind of humbled by the standard of work that I was shown in in the places that I went to visit. Um, one of the guys, Dimitri from um, the Union of Designers, was—you know—he gave me about seven, eight books, like sort of collections of their previous work and exhibitions, and all these goodies, which was um, absolutely amazing, and you know, made me feel really special. So to sit there and, and trade ideas about work and learn a little bit about how this all works is just it's fucking fantastic. And the embassy are doing really good work. I met Fiona, who was a lady who was the ambassador, the British ambassador in Belarus. And what we did on the Saturday afternoon was a live drawing session, which I haven't done for a long time, uh, in front of a crazy amount of young local people. Um, I mean, mixed ages all came by all day. There was always a big crowd just watching me draw, and, and the pressure was quite intimidating at times. But I kind of loosened up and really enjoyed this and people would throw in suggestions and ask me to draw certain things and what I sort of created was an extension of the work that was in the exhibition on the Saturday night and it's a personal project called Know What I Mean. Uh, the exhibition was number one, Everyday Ghosts and 
this was little items that I passed in the street that I find of interest that most people overlook. Uh, anything from a you know a fag packet to uh, um, a bolt on the floor, a, a kebab tray, whatever. But the kind of localization potential of this project is amazing. So to take this to Minsk and kind of explore the streets with an eye on not just the great architecture and the interesting uh, things happening around me, but the little things, again, the overlooked stuff, the signs, the posters in the streets... Um, so to draw this and see the local people recognise this stuff and connect and see my bad attempts to write the um, <laughs> the Belarusian alphabet was quite hilarious to me. And um, Fiona was there, so the, you know she's the ambassador. She's only been there three weeks, uh, Scottish lady, and she she was she saw the sheer amount of young people coming down um, from the city and spending three I mean three four hours of their Saturday sitting watching me draw, which blew my mind. And it's that's such a compliment to think that anyone would do that as opposed to going out and doing whatever kids do on a Saturday. Um, you know, I'll be the first to admit at nine, ten years old, I would probably not have been doing that. I would have been buying stink bombs from the local joke shop and, you know, whatever else. But it just goes to show that these kids are really kind of hungry and, uh, and you know, they, they, they want to do this stuff and, and they class it as cool. And to get a guy from another country coming and drawing must have meant something to them, which means so much more to me. So, um, you know, Fiona took a lot away from that and I could hear discussions going on behind me about, oh, God, you know, we, we need to do more of this. We need to get more creative talent coming over from the UK. And on the flip side of that, I'm sure any regular listeners of the show will will kind of get that, I, you know, I get quite angsty and quite um, defensive about the creative industries in this country. And I, I, I've always known and always seen what, to me, is common sense in that the empowerment of young people and all people and belonging that comes with the arts is so important in education and outside of education and just in general everyday life to fill the streets with bright colours and, and get people thinking in music and culture. And Britain has got such a worldwide uh, global reputation for being a, a world leader in that respect and it's it's there to see. The British Embassy's job is to champion our country and our creative output in other countries and to try and inspire the people and to create cultural link-ups, which is the reason that I was... Um, you know, so fortunate to be flown out to Belarus for this trip. So I, I said to the people, "Look, I'm not going to pull punches. Our current government are sort of overlooking a certain amount of issues um, in education and pushing the arts to one side. And all the while, you guys are taking out our supposed lead and running with it and using it to inspire people who've had to deal with a certain level of oppression." And fuck me, like you know, we have to retain that in our country. I think we as designers and creatives have to come together and really collaborate and spread ideas and fight any any attacks on our industry because it's so important um and if we lose that as britain where the hell where the hell are we well you know it's probably arguably our greatest export uh is our ideas and our, our cultural output so it's just it's really kind of put a rocket up my ass and and given me a, a, an even newer fire to come back this was not an ego trip you know this i mean the exhibition was amazing and, and lots of people loved the work and, and that meant the world to me and it's given me such confidence in that personal project in the know what i mean series but the way bigger picture was to see what this meant to the local people and and how they are you know desperately clinging to these creative uh, opportunities and and working so hard for it and you know kids were drawing me as I drew and hanging around and some of the younger people were you know were, were cr- actually cried you know when um, they were given like a copy of the book and drawings and things and I it, it, this was too much I had to go and sit downstairs and and get like a, a cup of tea and just get my head together at one point it was kind of overwhelming I, I've never experienced such um such an openly appreciative audience and I'm kind of struggling to deal with it right now it's Monday morning as I record this and I'm just kind of trying to readjust to <laughs> getting back in the studio 
Um, and I'm recording this at my flat. I haven't even left yet. It's kind of all a bit overwhelming. So as time goes on, I'll be posting images from the exhibition from the trip, and I will not be sort of letting this go lightly. I will be championing the work that the people are doing over there. But how cool of a place that Minsk is. And you have to get a visa to get into the country, so it makes it a little trickier. But it's not, you know, if you if you got the booking and everything then but go just go and see it like if you get the chance visit minsk uh, it's an incredible city with lovely lovely people and amazing ideas and i hope it will inspire people as, as much as it has me so keep an eye on things for more updates on that and i do apologize for the slightly long intro today um today's guest um not so much coincidentally is um design week editor angus montgomery who i have had a professional relationship with over the last three or four years we worked together when i would create weekly illustrations for the print magazine um which sadly is now defunct design week in 2011 it was a magazine that was conceived in 1986 and ran for 25 years before its cessation in 2011 um but i've always really loved that magazine the, the diversity of its content right across the arts interior design um marketing you know graphic design illustration arts right across the board that they, they run a really kind of intelligent content base on all areas it's a part of centaur media and it was a sad day for me personally when the magazine folded 2011 because you know on a, on a on a selfish level it meant that i could no longer do the paid illustration work that the guys used to commission me for when sam freeman was art director uh, it was a, a fantastic guy to work underneath and i learned a lot from um but what the guys have done in turning it into a digital digital only publication is really kind of think forward and, and some of the tools they have on the website for the inspiration section for example is absolutely tremendous so go and check, check out designweek.co.uk and uh, and get a feel for all that stuff and as i went i went to meet angus on a friday afternoon um, at the centaur media offices and he was kind of <laughs> surrounded by this metropolis of cardboard boxes full of the entire back catalogue of the print copies of Design Week, which was just total design porn to anyone who was into that. And they were in the process of dissecting the whole uh, the whole archive, and you know they were discussing what is the best way to display this stuff, to, to pull out some of the best old features and everything else. So this was great. So we had a cup of coffee and we had a look through some of the uh, pub old publications before having a conversation. So I wanted to talk to Angus about the process of transforming what was an iconic print magazine into a digital-only publication and the challenges that they faced in doing that, um, in maintaining the audience and actually switching it over to digital. Um, we talk about the wider world, the wider sort of, you know, what the, the role of print is now and online. Um, Design Week has become certainly my primary source for... They, do, they run fantastic political features, um, pulling apart you know what what the various political parties uh, are saying and what they endeavor to do for the world of the of the arts which is really important um it's one of the main reasons i do this show is to sort of you know to hopefully inspire people by featuring all these interesting personalities projects uh and it's you know it's kind of cool it was really cool to spend time with uh, with angus and you know um the features they run on, like I said, on, the, on on politics is great because you know, for example, when Jeremy Corbyn got the Labour leader role, um, they very quickly said, you know, what what they promised to do for the, for the arts, what they what they um, what the manifesto reads, and it was the same when the when the Tories got back in. You know, it was looking at the budgets and everything else, and it's a really good go to source. Um, I think I believe it's a daily newsletter that the guys put out, and 
always amazing varied content and they've been able to do more of that I guess with a digital platform more regularly suiting the kind of instant role of social media so go and check them out on all platforms of social media go and read the magazine online and do subscribe for free to their newsletter which is tremendous um, it's, a, it's a real favourite read of mine so I sit down with Angus a few weeks prior to my trip to Belarus to discuss all things design and design week. So uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let us know your thoughts on the Twitter at Arrest All Mimics. We are now on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Arrest All Mimics. Uh, and I hope I picked up a few new listeners from Belarus. Um, it will be really cool to get a listenership out there in the country and spread the word in Eastern Europe. Um, I, I, it's just, I kind of feel a little bit pang of regret I didn't do a show when I was out there but it was just such a fast and furious trip from one event to the other that it wasn't really conducive to that but that's not to say this won't happen in the future because uh, I certainly intend to return to the country so go and check it out if you need to email us hit us up arrestallmimics at gmail.com and cool I hope you love this one uh, I certainly enjoyed my time on a Friday afternoon with Angus Montgomery of Design Week yeah we've sort of hit the ground running a bit um, this year we've just launched our awards again yeah. uh, today yeah. So that's going to be in June. So we've got like it comes around fast, doesn't it? Well, it does. Particularly, we had it in November last year as well. So we've not left ourselves that much time yeah. now to do it again. We're doing a big survey. We're doing a big financial survey, which we just kicked off as well. Okay. Just done a salary survey. So I've just um, went to see some people this morning about doing some data visualization on that, which should be quite fun if it comes off. Oh, okay. Doing this big archive project. Doing some filming in a couple of weeks' time as well for a big. A uh, partnership we're doing with IBM this year on yeah. a sort of documentary partnership. So. Okay. What's, so, yeah, the, what, what's the archive project then? What are you actually what are you doing with that? Um, at the moment, just trying to get um, as full a set of design weeks as I can from the last 30 years. Once we have that, um, we'll go through it and just pick out... Um, interesting stories, uh, mm. interesting interviews. You know, the first time we mentioned Johnny Ive or something yeah, like that, which yeah, is probably yeah. going to be in what a great idea. Yeah. And pick out um, our, our actual anniversary properly is in, is in April. That's when the first issue of Design Week was in April 1996. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we will probably kick off some stuff then. And we might do, you know, 30 great interviews from the last 30 yeah. years or 30 great yeah. images from the last 30 years. Or, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of... It's, there's just so much that we could potentially I was going to say, do, exhibition is surely something that would be... Do you think that would be an option? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's lots that's there's lots that's feasible. I mean, reprinting some of the old issues could, could mm. be something that we could do. Um, there's there's just a huge... It's one of those things we're just going to have so much material, I think, that yeah. um, it would be a case of actually trying to rein in yeah, what, what course, we could conceivably yeah. do. So, um, so yeah. So it, yeah. It's, it's, well, if you guys are anything like I am in terms of... You know, it could just be what a one word of type that's you know that that's worth showing off in its own right. It's yeah, just exactly. Absolutely endless. Yeah, well, that's the thing because you keep going through. Like I was just going through these boxes of issues from 1988, and you just see these sort of photos of what you know Terence Conran and Martin Sorrell and yeah. you know Rodney Fitch in the 80s, and it's just yeah. really interesting just seeing all that. that absolutely, I mean, just it's, it's it's strange when you look back. That is almost as a completely different style. You know, I mean. The world was so of design was so different then mm. in terms of everything, technology to print into. Yeah, yeah, but then there are a lot of parallels as well. I mean, that's what's been interesting for us is is going through and seeing all those names, all those people that and studios that you're still writing about that were still there in the eighties. Like, there's yeah. a big piece, and one of the issues I was just looking at about how this is in 1987 or something about how Wolf Holland's 
did a controversial logo for um, I can't remember what a company was. It's some finance company that yeah. you know got absolutely castigated in public. And you just think that doesn't wow. exactly the same thing happened again in two thousand and eight when they did the Olympics. And you kind of think, well, these, yeah. these things, Constantly. you know, those names come up again. The, there are all these issues come up yeah. again. There are these, and there, there are sort of really interesting parallels, I suppose, yeah. in the history. Um, and it's yeah, I just think it's yeah, it's really yeah, fascinating. That's great. So what's yeah. what's what's your own background, Angus? I mean, um, so I'm a um, well, I've been a journalist really all all of my career, and that that is my background. Um, mm. So I started, um, I studied history and did a postgraduate journalism course because I knew I basically wanted to be a journalist really for as long as I can remember. Yeah, um, and pretty much wanted to be an editor, I suppose, for as long as I can remember. Yeah. I really like. You know, I love writing and I love reporting and I love um, the process of kind of getting a story and putting it together. But I also just really love um, creating something and curating something, be that a magazine or a website or a Twitter feed or yeah. whatever it might be. I, I love kind of the idea of not just um, researching and writing all this stuff, but actually putting it together as a, as a coherent thing. Yeah. Um, and that's always really, really interested me. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I graduated and worked for a news agency for about 18 months um, doing various different jobs, one of which was writing headlines for teletext when that was still going. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is actually really amazing because it's kind of the most... And I realised it's kind of when Twitter sort of became popular, I kind of knew how to do it because I'd been doing headlines in 140 characters oh, for, wow, okay, for yeah. ages as like a... Uh, as a discipline, so um, it's, it's really, really good training. <laughs> I loved, I loved teletext. It was first thing I did. I, I'd come in straight in from school, straight through the door, page three or three for football, and and straight, yeah. and you know, big. It was exciting, and it was yeah. like it's hard. It's mad to think now when you've got the internet wherever you are on your phone. You know, it's, well, this is. I mean, this is only going back to well, that was in sort of two thousand one, two thousand two. So it's not going back. Yeah, massively long, and it was. You know, we knew it was kind of an old-fashioned technology and it yeah. was kind of on the way out, but even then it was massive. I mean, we had audiences. Yeah. You know, we were doing the, the big home news page and you have an audience of sort of 15, 16 million. I mean, it would just be yeah. insane. Um, yeah, sometimes it would jar and kind of loop and not go on, not yeah, on the yeah. page that you wanted it to. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard someone describe it recently as skinternet, which was Yeah, really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, really interesting. Yeah. yeah, so that was kind of... Um, so, yeah, so I did that and then kind of a lot of... Um, did all sorts of different things, so um, did a lot of kind of internet, sort of early homepage writing. We, we had a lot of, the agency I worked for had contracts with people like AOL, so we mm. would do their homepage. Um, I would do things like, um, at one stage I was laying out and helping to design the mirror sports pages. I mean, you just do random yeah. things, um, which were all sort of really, really interesting and all kind of quite exciting. Um, I did that for about 18 months and felt like I'd learnt enough and done enough different things and really wanted to focus on one particular thing um, and kind of almost landed sort of n not unintentionally but kind of ended up writing about architecture and working on an architecture okay. magazine yeah. which isn't an area that I really knew anything about beforehand yeah. um, um, but I just felt like that looked like something that was it was a lovely it was a magazine called The Architect's Journal which is oh, yeah, really really lovely um, and at the time was had just been through a really really nice redesign and, and was just had a really good team and mm. um, and yeah and that was that was great and that was really really good fun and from there kind of ended up at Design Week um, yeah. I've been here for getting on for 
eight years now. I was going to say, you were editing when I was doing the illustrations for Sam, Sam Freeman, weren't you? Yeah, oh, I joined as news editor in 2008, and I've been editor since at the beginning of 2012, so... Okay. Yeah, so, so I've been, been, been yeah. for a while. So you would have sort of seen the transition from, from print to digital, right? Yeah, so I was here um, because we went, uh, we, we finished publishing the, the print edition in 2011, so I'd already been there for that's about yeah. two years. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I sort of was here during that entire mm. transition. During the kind of was, that, was that something that was indicative of, you know, the, what people always say is now a print decline? Is that, is that do you think that was... Is that why the print magazine ended? Was it just that, that people, the numbers weren't there? or? Um, I think, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it happened. It wasn't, I think it's, it's probably, it's really important to stress that this wasn't something that we in Design Week wanted to do. It wasn't part of our of course, strategy. No. It's not no. something that we, Absolutely we not. didn't think, oh, you know, the magazines, we, we, we loved doing print. We loved mm. the magazine. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, and we were really, really happy with it. Um, with the publisher that owned and continues to own um, Design Week um, was going through sort of a sort of phase of restructuring at that time and was pulling out of various different bits that it was doing, one of which was Design Week in print. Um, there are a couple of other magazines that it stopped publishing at around the same time. So yeah. it was kind of a, it wasn't something that was just, you know, it wasn't just Design Week stopping in print. This was kind of a wider publishing mm. decision. It wasn't that we were doing anything wrong. It wasn't even that nope. we were particularly commercially doing anything particularly bad. I mean, we were actually still reasonably successful commercially up until it ended. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like every weekly print magazine, there were huge pressures. I mean, a weekly yeah. print magazine is a very expensive thing yeah. to put together and operationally very, very heavy. Um, so I think if you're a finance director at a publisher, publishing house and the internet's coming and you're sort of seeing all the potential revenue that you can get from that and you look at the kind of the line on your spreadsheet that says, you know, this is how much it costs to put a weekly print magazine together, you're like, what the fuck? So that was really the, the sort of context of that decision. So it wasn't, it was, it was very, um, it, it wasn't, it was a very unpleasant time, frankly. Yeah. I mean, it was really, yeah. really difficult for us as the team to, to deal with that of because course. it wasn't something that we... Yeah wanted to happen, it wasn't something that we expected to happen, mm -hmm. it wasn't something that we knew was going to happen, it involved large numbers of our colleagues being made redundant, mm -hmm. um, and we sort of were left really to, to manage that process, which wasn't an easy process to manage. Well, absolutely not, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's quite a drastic thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not, so I mean, what, so what would you say before, before that happened, I mean, Design Week, what did it represent, do you think? I mean, did... I always remember it being, you know, it was always there. It was always, as a student, you know, I'd go in, you know, be sent in there to look at the creative press. Yeah. And Design Week, of course, was a heavy, heavy hitter. It was a mainstay. And, and it always struck me as something that was wider reaching than most of the magazines, where some of the other mags, you know, Computer Arts, for example, Creative Review, would, would be more, always visual communication. But I think Design Week always started to be, you know, brought in interior design. It brought in yeah. um, a lot wider spectrum. Or so it seemed to me. Would you would you say that's accurate? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're that, that's kind of our... Our positioning, I suppose, and it always, and that's just not that's not changed over thirty years. That's that's that hasn't changed. Whatever media we've been in, whether yeah. we've been in in print or, or online, we are um, a business title for the design industry. So yeah. we're not um, we're not just there for inspiration. We're not there to show pretty pictures. We're not there to kind of mm -hmm. show off the latest kind of exciting yeah. poster design or something. We're about 
what it's like to be a designer at the moment. Yeah. So how much money do you earn? How easy is it to get a job? Who are the big consultancies? Mm. Um, who's winning awards? Um, and obviously the work comes into that and a lot of our stories are about you know, big rebrand projects or yeah. big product designs or something like that. But we're, we're much more broader reaching than that. And, yes. you know, we, we try to bring in a lot more experiences yeah. than just kind of, you know, um, just showing nice work, as it were. Well, of course. I mean, you know, the, the, as, as anyone who's ever even dipped their toe in the industry knows, it runs a, a hell of a lot deeper than, than that. And yeah. I mean, one thing I've been particularly impressed with recently, you know, I get your newsletters and um, I've really enjoyed the... As someone who's sort of just started to get a grasp on politics for the first time in my life, <laughs> more out of frustration than anything else, um, I've, I've really enjoyed the political content in, ter- yeah. in terms of the features you've done on when Jeremy Corbyn got the Labour role. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, looking at when the Conservatives got back in and that, what that meant for them. I thought that was, they were fantastic features. Oh, and, okay, and that's really, really nice to hear. That's... You know, it really was cool because um, as someone who, you know, was coming at it, you know, as a designer, as an artist, it's it's kind of worrying when you hear a lot of negative things about the Conservative government. So you get this cool article in the newsletter, and it's like, okay, this is good. So yeah. someone's gone out and done the legwork and actually broken this down for me. And yeah, you know, it's brilliant. And I, I found you to be quite unique in that respect. I think that that kind of went, you know, that that seemed that real kudos in my opinion. Anyway, at least I thought that was great. And yeah, no, it's really good. To hear. Is I mean, that something you tried to do? You know, I mean, I mean, that, I guess that's what you were saying. It's really, it's under the skin. It's really getting, you know, getting to the yeah. crux of these issues and things that people are dealing with. Yeah, no, that's definitely something that we. That, I mean, the political angle is something that we're really, really interested in because there are so many issues that relate to design that are being discussed at a seen top level political. Mm. level um, such as education such as designs contributions business to the economy there aren't really as you said there isn't really anyone else out there covering this stuff or writing about it or breaking it down so I feel like we've got um, a dual role Um, one is to kind of take all this stuff that's happening and make it um, relatable and understandable for our audience and another Mm. thing is that um, although the you know a huge proportion of our readership are practicing designers, the vast majority of our readership are practicing designers, there are lots of people who read Design Week who aren't designers who want to understand yeah. what's all this design stuff, what's the design industry, is it important? Yeah, you know, we've got readers uh, client side, we've got readers um, in government, we've got readers kind of everywhere, and I think we've got a, a duty in a way to. Um, show how important design is and kind of represent yeah. it to these people outside the industry. Um, and like I said, the political thing is something that we've been really focused on. And Tom, who's our news editor, has been really, really good at kind of taking a lead in. You know, if there's a budget or an autumn statement or a big political um, event, he's really, really good at kind of picking mm. that up and breaking it down and making yeah. it kind of work for, for our yeah. audience. So. I think people need that as well because, you know, I mean, I can, I can only speak for myself and the people that I know, but. The majority of people don't know anything beyond a base level of politics in in design, you know. But we all want to know how, how things affect us. So mm. I think it's a really necessary uh, a necessary thing to do. Um, you know, I, I tried to get Jeremy Corbyn for the podcast, and I got <laughs> relatively far. Yeah, you would probably be successful. I still, I'm not going to stop. It's one of those <laughs> where I'm going to keep pestering until something. But, yeah. but what, who I did get well, on one of the earlier episodes was John Newbegin, who's the head of Creative England. Yeah, yeah, and um, he was fantastic. He talk. I was really frustrated with. Um, sort of Nicky Morgan's comments that were quite derogatory towards the creative yeah, industry. Yeah. So I wanted to address that and he'd written some articles in The Guardian which were brilliant saying, you know, just the importance, uh, you know, a sector that represents over 8% of jobs in this country yeah, yeah. being sort of so naively viewed um, and he was he really sort of broke it down and made it, you know, it made absolute sense that this is a thriving industry and actually... Yeah. 
it's crucial to the economy. So to take that view of it seems it seems silly to me. Well, the, the education know. issue is remarkable, and that's that's sort of one that's cropping up again because you're getting a situation where um, design is because of um, the English baccalaureate um, ranking system, which schools are now being encouraged to use. Um, that ranking system doesn't include creative subjects whatsoever so there's no pressure on schools mm. to provide any real creative education and also creative education tends to be reasonably costly because yeah. if you're doing something like design and technology you've got to get a workshop in you've got to get people you've got mm. to get experts to teach it you've got to get the resources and the materials so if you're not at a curricular level forcing in a way schools to do that they're just not going to do it so you're not teaching these kids design um, or creative skills or, or arts, which, which is terrible because you're not, you know, on a personal level, you're not allowing these kids the opportunity to find something that they might be good at, that might be a really fulfilling, brilliant, yeah. potential career. You know, they might never get the opportunity to, like, you grow up and be an yeah. illustrator and art director because they might never know that that career exists. Yeah. But secondly, it's just incredibly short-sighted because on the one hand, you've got a government that's taking the resource and the kind of support away from schools and children at that level, but it's still reliant on the creative industries to support it at an economic level. I mean, the creative industries... You know, a huge proportion of um, the British economic success, and certainly its export success. Mm. Um, but if you're not getting kids, you know, going in, growing into those roles, then yeah. that's not going to continue. So and, it's, it's uh, remarkable. It's really, really. And of course, life skills. You know, just yeah. uh, you know, as as one of my the things I constantly stress is that I'm not saying that we should all do art and be artists. It's not far from it. It's just that teamwork and all the experiences you go through, thinking of your feet, and yeah. your feet set you up for whatever role you're in. Yeah, it just gives you that independence to actually you know to come up with your own ideas rather than all being sort of textbook reliant and then suddenly yeah. getting into the real world and it's like oh shit yeah you know it's no one spoon feeding me now so it's, yeah exactly. that's uh, the biggest you know one of the biggest issues for me with yeah. that is that reason i'm sat here talking to you to, today you know, i'm not training audio or presenting or yeah. anything, anything like that i'm just very passionate about what i do yeah uh, which led me in there in the first place but you know we're all, you know, being freelance, I panic on a daily basis about where the next job's coming from. So this and the writing and everything else is a way for me to build these little yeah, islands security, to create just yeah. better security, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but without the ability to think for myself, there's no way, you know, no one told me to go and do this. So yeah. it's like, you know, I worry about the next generation of people who are coming up without that. You know, it's the, true, but it, yeah. I suppose if, if we can look at it in a more optimistic light, then what what you're describing, I think, or the kind of mindset that you have is, is something that I've really noticed. I mean, it's just really common almost kind of universal across designers they're really entrepreneurial they're really outward thinking they yeah. really they just do stuff they want to do stuff they, yeah. don't, they don't wait for people to come and give them things or yeah. to say this is how you do this this is what you should be doing which you know frankly a lot of other careers and a lot of other types of people do they yeah. just they're very you know very motivated very yeah. passionate will go out and do things and try new things and become experts in things and, and create stuff and I think that's absolutely amazing and yeah. as someone from a non-design background like myself like I just feel really envious of you know being, yeah. you guys being able to do that because that's something you know I, I sort of constantly look at you know you, you guys trying new things and doing exciting new things and think oh god I'd love to do that but I just don't have the, <laughs> don't have the nerve or don't have the yeah. you know just don't, don't, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't be able to and I think that that's really that you know, one of the 
one of the things, one of the greatest pleasures I think about my job is just being able to talk to and be with designers because I just think they're really inspirational yeah. people. Like, uh, it sounds like a really awful kind of platitudinal kind of sickly thing to say, but it's genuinely true. Like, yeah. you know, I, if, if I've got to spend time with a certain type of people, I would like it to be designers. So I just think they're brilliant and inspirational. Yeah. And, and well, it's in, always interesting, always something, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, always something quirky about it. everyone that I know, without a doubt. So, it's, I mean, do you get a lot of um, sort of submissions, whether it's content? Do you get a lot of, do you, are you always bombarded with designers for whatever reason, you know, as, a, as, a, as someone in the creative press, quite prominent? Um, uh, yes, but that's something that I welcome. I mean, if that wasn't happening, then yeah, we wouldn't, course, yeah. you know, um, wouldn't know what was going on and wouldn't, wouldn't be able to write about stuff. And, yeah. and obviously a large part of our job is kind of, that editing role of filtering yeah. or what's actually interesting and what, mm. what what is what are we going to write about and what's worth putting on the website and what's yeah. worth showing and and um, you know what's worth given that we don't there are three people who work on design week so it's not a really massive resource and we've got quite a lot to do yeah we would love to write be able to write about everything but frankly we can't so actually yeah. some of the most painful discussions about well what what can we really focus our time and attention on is, mm. it, is it this story or is it this story and of course you have to make difficult it's the nature of the like industry that. you know it's yeah. so it's such a competitive market that you know it's i think anyone who's not I think everyone needs to be aware that you know, it's for every job that's out there, there are X amount of designers fighting for that job, which is yeah. I, I find it, you know, that's like simultaneously daunting and exciting. You know, yeah. I think it's it gives me a greater buzz when I get something. You know, uh, on the other hand, I think it's the nature of the beast when I don't. You know, so yeah, kind yeah. Of, you have to get that resolve really. But are there any sort of standout qualities in terms of? And I'm not thinking in terms of the quality of the work because there's a hell of a lot of good stuff out there. But I get contacted by a lot of people and often. I'm shocked by the sheer amount of, for example, bad grammar. Yeah. Little things like that that I think I, I always surprises me, you know. Like I get sometimes I get people emailing me, they don't even say hello. It's just like, <laughs> Can you take a look at this? And I'm like, Oh wow, like <laughs> is uh, that you know, the real basic skills. I mean, are there any things, sort of do's and don'ts that you would suggest let's say someone who, who's looking to get whether it's press, featured, um, you know, just any, do anything. Yeah, I mean that sort of thing, you you're right, there are level there are a number of I suppose really basic level things you you would you would hope that I mean bad bad grammar and bad spelling and that sort of thing really upset me but I guess I'm I'm over the stage of being really precious about it if someone yeah. if if there's a typo in something I'm not going to just be in it for no reason but it, obviously if if you are pitching me a story and I don't understand what that story is because you just can't explain it and it's yeah. really badly written then obviously I'm not if it, you know if it takes me more than about 10 seconds to understand what the hell it is that you're talking <laughs> about then it's not going to happen because yeah. we don't have the time to of course to, to kind of you know drill into it and make yeah. m- get through whatever illegible things you're talking <laughs> about um so that yeah there's got to be a certain standard I suppose of, of legibility um but beyond that, I mean, it's really, you know, uh, it, it's an impossible question to say what makes a story for us and what doesn't, yeah. because there are so many different factors that come into it. It could be that it's really nice work. It could be that it's for a big client that's really important. Um, it could be that we can find a really interesting headline or an angle on it. I mean, one, what we, the way that we think um, when we're writing stories, um, and this is something that I've been trying to, um, that, that Tom and... Sarah, who also works on Design Week with us, that, that we've been working a lot at over the last sort of six months or so. When 
we, we start with a headline. So when, when, you, when you've got a story, when you're thinking about doing something, you think, well, what would the headline be? And, mm. what would, and what would the tweet beyond that, what would the tweet be? So yeah. what's the real, what's the absolute reductive kind of way of describing what this is? So it's, like, it's an upside down logo, or it's a table that charges your phone, or it's a car that drives backwards, or what, what's, you know, what is the thing here? That yeah. what, what's the really reductive angle? And then you kind of build a story out from there. So if you've got a story and you don't have that headline, you don't have that instant sort of snap, what, what is the hook here? Mm. Um, I think it's much less likely to, to, to do something on it. Um, yeah. Because that's, you know, in its most reductive, that, that's kind of news, I suppose, in its most reductive yeah. sense, is thinking about well, what's going to actually grab people's attention. What if it flashes up on someone's Twitter feed? What's going to draw them in? Or if it's on a newsletter headline, what's yeah. going to bring them in? And that works for, I mean, that's even if we're doing a sort of really in-depth feature or something yeah. like that, you will always think, well, okay, we can do 1,500 words on brand visualisation, but what's going to be the killer hook that actually drags people into this? And I guess I guess it was always that way, whether it be print or, or digital, but I would, would I be right in saying now, in, in you know, as an, as an exclusively digital sort of entity, um, people's patience is so little now in terms yeah, of online yeah, content. Much, so it's it's more crucial than ever, I guess, to have a great more. image or a like you say, the headline. Yeah. It's you know, I it's think much more crucial. It's really interesting actually looking at um, the way the the amount of traffic that certain stories will get because you kind of feel there are certain stories that you know are, are going to do really really well and get certain amounts of traffic. For example, you know, if Coca Cola rebrands, you kind of know that yeah. that's going to do well just because you can just say on Twitter Coca Cola is rebranded. But there are certain stories where if you get a good, really good snappy headline or a good hook, or you get, like you say, a really good shareable image, mm-hmm. that it can really lift the story and really make it kind yeah. of work very, very well. And, and I think you're right, that, that happened, that's always been true. I mean, this is what I'm describing, it's basically just simple, straightforward journalism, but it's much more, um, it's been, I suppose, focused much more and, and boiled down now online to really, yeah. you've got to think about that all the time. When you're in print, there's a certain amount of leeway to be a bit more playful with headlines, to be yeah. a bit more kind of, you know, you can have sort of dropped intros and you can be a bit more, um, I don't know, sort of light-hearted and, and, and sort of more lengthy and wordy but because you, you, the reader's there, they've got the magazine there, they're kind of, you know, mm. it's in front of them, it's not going to go anywhere. Whereas online you're competing, you know, as you say, with millions and millions of other websites yeah. and focus and tractors for attention. So you have to be really, really grabby right from the off. Yeah. Um, and it's um, funny because, I mean, you know, I guess the whole, the basic journalism part of what you just said is like, it's something that my, certainly my, my mind has sort of thawed out since I started writing over the last few years. Now I, now I start to grasp that and, mm. and get that. But actually from a person from, a, you know, who's primarily a visual communicator, it's kind of, it's not so basic, and it's like it's, yeah. it's something that you know you do have to sort of practice. And I see a lot of people fall down on that, you know, the, the lack of an image or whatever, and it's all those things. Yeah. And I guess like it's something that's still quite new to all of us. I guess that existed in an entirely digital space. You know, it's we're still all learning as we go. What, it is definitely, definitely, and journalists. I, I think journalists have an advantage on one level because to a certain degree this sort of thing is, is drilled into you when you're learning, you know, you learn about mm. pyramid structures of writing stories, which is where you put, you know, the reductive sort of top information right at the top of the yeah. pyramid, at the top of the story, and then you just kind of fill in with the waffle, yeah. I suppose, yeah. underneath once you've got their attention. But but also, it, 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 it has been difficult for journalists because we're, 
many of us who you know are from a print background or have experience in print as I do we're slightly wedded to what we were doing in print so playful headlines or mm. being a bit more light-hearted or kind of lengthier with intros that sort of thing and you kind of don't want to give that up and and you don't want to you know people talk very negatively about things like clickbait and kind of buzzfeedy type headlines yeah. um, and as journalists for a long time we were sort of holding our noses at this kind of stuff and thinking well I don't want to go down that way my, my story is good enough to stand alone I don't need this kind of really snappy headline or this yeah. quirky thing to bring in it the quality of the story will bring people in and it's only really recently you kind of lots of people have woken up to the fact that actually that's probably not going to happen and you need obviously you need the quality of the story and the quality of the yeah. journalism there but you also need a really shit hot snappy headline to you do around. you do all you know all the, all the respectable publications that i read anybody from the guardian you know to i don't know whatever whatever it is yourselves it's it's consistent with everyone mm. you can see now you see now they're all very immediate yeah. on social media like you say you have to be i think and it's uh, it does force you to think about that a little more which is really, i find it really interesting everyone's yeah. in this it, almost given this equal playing field now yeah all competing yeah. for that those minutes and clicks yeah. you know it's quite interesting kind of in format and there's a number of was looking at the website and uh, i found it interesting like so the awards are a big part of what you do i mean i'll seem to be anyway i mean this is a, it's a big deal in the industry right the design week awards yes yeah, yeah well we would like to we would hope so definitely and yeah it's certainly very very important for us um yeah. i mean we've been going for you know an awfully long time almost as long as Design Week as a title has been going, yeah. and they, um, you know, they're, they're unique in that they are completely holistic in terms of what they look for in design. So you've got branding projects, uh, product design, mm. interiors, digital design, all, yeah. all the great scope of design. Um, we have great juries, or, or I, I think we have really great juries. It's been a real pleasure for me. That's been one of the things I've enjoyed the most, actually, is getting these juries together and doing the judging days and, and seeing the results of that. Yeah. And we tend to have really, really good projects entered and, and winning. So, um, yeah, it is it is a really important part of uh, of what we do. It's something that yeah. I, I really value. Um, yeah. And we put a lot of a lot of effort into doing mm. it. I mean, award schemes are really, you know, they're very... So it's difficult things to run. They're very, um, they're an awful, they're a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot that goes into them. Yeah. You've got to, you know, you've got to get get people entering. You've got to get the judges together. You've got to manage that whole process yeah. of you've got to keep the quality high. You've got to make sure you've got the right people. Uh, make sure you're getting the right sort of entries, and then you know you've got to put on a massive party as well, and, <laughs> and yeah. kind of make sure everyone's yeah. enjoying it. And and it's a lot. It's a lot to do. So yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's nice to see still awards going on merit and judging. You know, it's mm. just like I would, I've been nominated for some awards and uh, the Dot London Awards recently. And mm, I was yeah. made, you know, to make a shortlist in an agency category as an individual was was tremendous. Yeah, and I'll find out in a couple of weeks how well I've done. But oh, right. I was a little bit gutted to find out it was a judging process, um, a voting system. And yeah, I'll drop my head because a close friend of mine is an electronic musician. He's he was nominated in the Bass Music Awards recently, which caught him off guard because he's. he's just signed to a label but at the time of the award he wasn't attached and it, it sets you on this daunting sort of month of pestering you know pestering everyone yeah, you know yeah. and just whoring yourself out there yeah. going oh, vote for me and it's like <laughs> and, it, and, I don't, and I don't really like it because it turns into a popularity contest yeah, you know yeah. whereas I'd much rather be told no someone's opinion didn't go your way and that's fine you know because that's we, we live in a world of opinions so yeah and, yeah and so I you know I can accept that so it's nice to see an, an awards like yours still being Run well, that's I think I think yeah, that's definitely one of the 
one of the things that I see as really key to its success is the quality of the people that we have on the on the judging panel. Because mm. if you don't have people there who know what they're talking about and who are well respected, and if you're not in a position where you as an entrant want your work to be judged by this calibre of people, then yeah. the whole thing's going to fall down. So it's really, really key that you that you're getting those those people who know what they're talking about, who are well-respected industry, who are doing good work themselves yes. in, in the majority of cases, and who, you know, if they announce you as a winner, you're like, well, that's great, because so-and-so thinks... That, well, it's tremendous, you know, and it's a nod of, yeah, it's a nod of a peer, isn't it? You know, yeah, and, um, exactly. I think, it's, I think it's great, yeah. So the next ones are coming up when? Uh, 14th of June, that's going to be our next one. So, yeah. yeah, so the wheels are in motion. They are very much so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so slowly so far, but, uh, yeah. That's brilliant. And um, so, how do you? I mean, I, again, coming back to the website, there were some great tools on there. I really liked the sort of inspiration drop down menus yeah, that you've yeah. got on there, and it's, it's that's. Um, I could spend ages, you know, <laughs> just sifting through that stuff. And I think it's really cool, and also that you know people are welcome to submit things on there yeah, as well. Yeah. So it's, um, it's it's cool to see that. It's almost, I mean, I think these things are surely got to be considered benefits in a digital. You know, one of the one of the positives certainly of going digital. Yeah, yeah. It, well. You, there is, in in principle, there's so much that you can do. In digital. Yeah. I mean, in principle, you can do anything. Obviously, in reality, you're limited by yeah. things like budgets and development costs and what you can actually do on your platform and yeah. all, all those sorts of things. But we, when we redesigned the website, which was at February 2015, it launched. We um, took we built it on WordPress, and we. It's effectively. I mean, it's take. It's sort of built off a template, um, but we sort of went above and we sort. Of almost threw that template out the window and said, no, mm. this is, we went to developers and said, this is what we want to do. These are the elements that we want, build this. And we yeah. pushed them really as hard as we could at that time and within the, sort, you know, within the budget and within the timescale that we had. Um, and so, yeah, things like the inspiration boards, um, things like the, the way that we're pulling together a weekly issue um, and just the, the, way, the way the site is, is structured as well um, and the way that it treats images. Um, we, we sort of push very, very hard on that. There's a lot that um, we are, or I would like us to do, an awful lot that I would like us to do. We're, we're going into another development period, hopefully in the next sort of three to four weeks. So okay. there's, because there's bits, I suppose what, what the site at the moment is still, strictly speaking, kind of version 0.1, like that's still, there was so much that we wanted to do in that development period that we knew we weren't going to get in the first yeah. cut. And we've done gradual updates throughout the year, but really we haven't been able to do a big kind of, you know, let's overhaul this and make it work properly and get all the things that we want mm. working on there to work in the way that we want them to. And so that's that's the next stage really is to get it to absolutely fly. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I've been it's it, it, I it's one of those things you know I, I look at it as as an editor and obviously I love it and I think it's fabulous but sometimes I open it up and just think oh god I want to fix that <laughs> I just, that's not you know that's driving me mad and, yeah. um, and that's always going to be the case and in a way that's a good thing I suppose because it means that you can constantly improve yeah. it and make it better um, but yeah it has been the, the relaunch was a really big success for us I think, yeah. and it really really helped to you know um, yeah it's a great looking site it's a great looking site I mean just from an external point of view it's I find it quite easy to navigate the site and yeah. it's very slick, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's great. I think it's a great platform. Cool. Yeah. It's, um, so what's exciting you? Is there anything that's exciting you at the moment in the design world? Anything in particular that jumps out? Um, well, I suppose just it's, um, there's always going to be things. I mean, I come in every day and, and something will excite me. Something yeah. that I don't know is going to happen will excite me. Like the yeah. other day when that, um, 
I don't know when this is being broadcast, but we're talking in the first week of January and the um, gum tree was rebranded, I think, on the 5th of January, which, saw the icon, you know, you like, sort yeah. of see that and, and that's like, um, or you see the BBC Three identity and yeah. there's always just cool things happening um, and you kind of, to a certain degree, you don't you don't know when that's going to happen. That's one of the joys yeah. of the job is that these things kind of just um, mm. happen and you sort of see them that through the sort of fabulous and amazing. I mean, um, yeah, there's a lot this year. I mean, obviously, there's it's an Olympics year, so it's going to be um, a mm. lot of interesting Rio stuff, I imagine. Some of it probably <laughs> a bit wild. Um, the design museum's moving, and I think that their new site is opening in June or July in yeah. um, Kensington. So that's going to be that's going to be quite a big deal because mm. that's going to be such a massive change for them, and the, the site is yeah. really incredible. Um, so there's there's contextually there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. There are a lot of Challenges, obviously, always in the industry. I mean, we talked earlier about education. That's and that's I think is going to be a really big issue this year, and, and going to be a, a difficult one to sort of negotiate. So. Mm. And I think that that will, you know, that's that's not something that excites me, but certainly something that um, will keep me interested. I think, and, and and I think there's an awful lot of work that needs to be done there. Um, but yeah, just uh, I think this what this job is is basically just seeing all this cool stuff happening and being yeah. able to write about it. And that's, I think that's, that's the really thing, isn't it? I think, I think it's an industry that moves at such a frightening pace that yeah. you almost, you have to just shed that fear after a while and just and be very instinctive and open-minded about it all. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's, you mean, which you do seem to be as a, as a you know, as a publication. It's like when I approached you about the column, you know, it was very much just an idea that I'd been sort of mulling over for a little while and then yeah. thought, okay, well, you know, Design Week seemed, you know, I saw the political stuff and I saw the... The tools on the website. I thought, okay, they seem to be, you know, a, a, a very fluid, you know, entity. So I thought, you know, okay, well, like I can, but throw it Angus's way and see if you're interested in it. And you, which you were, which is great to see. I think that's something you have. I guess you have to be. Yeah, I know. think I think we're really lucky in in that respect in a way because not only do we have a really wide breadth of types of readers, so we've got you know freelance guys like you we've got big agency readers we've got students we've got people who are mm. you know been in the industry for 40 or 50 years um, we've got people who you know design logos for a living or people who design chairs or cars or yeah. whatever it might be so there's a real breadth there but also each of those individual people who may be very very different will have will just have such a breadth of interest themselves so you know we're not like um, it's not like we're writing for I don't want to sort of pick on a particular industry and slag them off. We're not, I don't know, mortgage advisors who are just interested yeah. in mortgage advice or lawyers who are just interested in the law. We're writing for a group of people who yeah. are absolutely eclectically interested in everything and, yeah. and not, not on a personal level but on a professional level because they have to be. Like You can't be a good designer unless you, you're really, you've got that breadth of knowledge unless, you've got, unless you're interested in art and music and mm. uh, the way things work and science and engineering. Yeah. You, know, you just can't do it. So yeah. we're really lucky in that respect. But the, I suppose the difficulty is then where do we, you know, we could in principle write about pretty much anything and it would probably be of interest to someone in our audience. So we have to make some quite tough decisions about well, what is going to be the most interesting bit, I suppose. Of course, yeah. yeah. But I guess, I mean, I guess that's got to be a positive and exciting part of what you do. Yeah, yeah, imagine. it's great. I mean, that's, what, that's what's nice is that the idea that we could really take it in any direction that we want to. And yeah. there are so many, you know, there, there's just so much variety in what we can write about and what we do write about that, that yeah. that's, you know, certainly for... I mean, for me, I've been here for years and years now, but for Sarah, who, who's our reporter who joined just over a year ago, and just the variety of things that she's able to do and write about and the variety mm. of events that she can go to is, you know, it's a really good place for her to be compared to 
I don't know, she could be writing for another magazine that just writes about farm equipment or something, yeah. do you know what I mean? You it's never like, have a dull day, uh, are you really, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, the last, the last part of the show that I always do, I call it the shark in the tank. And oh, it's just a little, um, it's just a little, I ask um, guests to name, and this could be a thing of all time or it can be just something of the moment, but I ask them to name uh, a, something, you know, a love and a hate, but essentially, whether it's, um, it could be anything from a theme to a poster to just a sort of bugbear and, and something that's getting you going at the minute, really. It's, uh, I love and I hate. Um, yeah. Just of absolutely anything. That's a really. <laughs> <laughs> it's always. A, about, I just find it a really interesting question to ask people, and the answers have been so all over the place. It's, it's brilliant. That's about the most challenging thing I can think of. <laughs> I guess in terms of, well, keeping because what we've been talking about, I guess is is probably has been journalism, and um, so in that context, a love and a hate. I think the thing that I love um, is the way that. You can do anything now in journalism. The way that I, I love the things that re- the, pe- the things that really inspire me in what I do at the moment are people like BuzzFeed and people like Wired and people like um, infographics. People like Information is Beautiful mm. and people who are thinking of completely different ways to tell stories that aren't just writing stuff on a page yeah. and putting it in a magazine, printing it, and sending it out. But they're thinking of um, completely, you know, using different media and different formats and. And, and telling stories in a really, really engaging way and doing it properly and, and keeping and making sure that... Because the thing that really concerns me with, with stuff like that is that you you lose the, the, the essential truth of a story. You lose the rigour of good journalism because good journalism at its heart should be about telling the facts, should be about telling something mm. that is real and that is true and that is actually happening and you should be reliable. So I think the people who get that right... Um, and there are, you know, quite a few people who do it really, really well at the moment are really at the sort of forefront of, of, of journalism at the moment and what we should be aspiring to do and certainly what I aspire to do with Design Week. Um, and I guess the my it, 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 on that theme, um, my biggest hate at the moment is clickbait and is bad journalism and is copying and is and mm. this kind of echo chamber of um, you know people ripping each other off and just writing the same story and in that story that Chinese whispers where the story sort of gradually gets less and less reliable as it goes on and and that drives me mad and and it's really scary because particularly on something like social media now where where you can just say something and almost state it as fact really really quickly and people pick up on that Mm -hmm. that's terrifying like you you can't the lack of verification that you can have on stuff Um, that that sort of that's that's probably so yeah I suppose in the most basic terms I I, I love journalism that's about facts and the truth and told in a really compelling brilliant yeah. way and I hate journalism that's built on lies basically so yeah that's that's yeah maybe. very much the downside isn't it of, of um, everyone having the freedom and the tools to, to yeah to publish, exactly you know? exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> not to be precious about being a kind of professional journalist because anyone can do it. it's not it's not being a journalist isn't should hopefully be a really open, democratic, um, yeah. you know, in principle anyone could do it, but you've just got to remember that it's not being a journalist isn't just about writing yeah. stuff, it's about writing the truth, yeah. you know, it's about of writing course. what's actually happened and being a reliable source, yeah. objective source of stuff, it's not, you know, and that's, and I think you sometimes feel like people forget this. And that, yeah. that, that, that. I think it's common across a lot of arts, you know, the fact that you now people can pick up a reasonable camera for, you know, for whatever price. It yeah. doesn't make you a photographer or a film or a good filmmaker. But yeah, yeah. But suddenly all the good people do have to deal with all that around them. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, well, I guess white noise of stuff. I guess yeah. it is just, that's just the, the downside of technology. But, you know, 
that's probably yeah. that's what that's the hand we're dealt now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you, I don't know if you've seen it, but you should really check out. There's a film called Press Pause Player. Are you aware of it? Um, no, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Very, very good. It's very much on that. It's very much. Yeah. It. It's all. It's all. It's exhilarating and soul destroying at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's very much about that people have an accessibility to technology and everyone, yeah. everyone can do everything. But yeah. But you know, it's looking at how the cream will rise, but. At the same time, we, we we have to fight a lot harder for it. So yeah, it's a, yeah. Cracking film, really good. Okay, cool. worth a watch. Last time I looked, it was on you know the legitimate version was on Vimeo. You can watch yeah. it on, online for free. It's yeah, worth checking yeah. out. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, cheers for your time, Angus. Yeah, well, yeah. thanks very much. No, that's really <laughs> I really enjoyed that. So yeah. Fascinating conversation with Angus. Um, to me, he's a, a cool guy who's quite quiet uh, and and very sort of seemingly modest. Who runs with his team, a uh, team of three, I believe, quite a small team of people to uh, to hold together such a big publication, and they all run the annual Design Week Awards, which are quite iconic in our industry. So, go and check out the usual spots, designweek.co.uk, for information on entering the awards, for checking out previous year's winners, etc. Uh, they're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com/dwdesignweek, um, and they continue to do great work. So, you know. I'm sure you gathered from the conversation, you know, you've got to be quite robust. Get the stuff sent to the guys. You know, if you want to feature your own work, get it on the inspiration section. Um, keep people up to speed. It's, it's been a massive asset in my career has been keeping this ongoing list of kind of creative press and just updating people about what I'm doing on the newsletters or just a little personal email here and there. And Design Week has been a massive leg up uh, in my career. I think I've told the story before, but I was once had my work featured on the front cover, which was a very accidental process. When I met Don Letts, DJ and filmmaker, who's been on this show on a previous episode. Great conversation, if you haven't already listened. And we, I kind of snuck backstage with Dirty Freud, um, electronic music, musician who I work with. And we chatted to Don Letts, this kind of legend in the industry. And I asked him if I could use our conversation, write it up and post it on a blog that we just started, a project called Quench Music, which is a kind of side project that I run. And... Uh, he said yeah so what happened down the line was I sent the work we've been doing with Quench said to I think he was Angus at the time for Design Week said hey guys like you know here's what's been going on been working doing this stuff in music Quench music check it out lots of nice posters lots of nice images for gigs uh, and events album covers etc and they got back and said oh this is pretty cool we're, we're planning a feature on designers working in music so we'd like to feature some of this stuff and get a few words if that's cool uh, you know it's totally absolutely uh, great exposure for me personally and a few weeks later, Sam Freeman, who was the art director at the time, got in touch and said, look, um, have you got some images we can use to support this? We'd like to run it front cover and reckon some of your work would sit really well. So they ran with my Don Letts portrait, which I had created to support the piece, and went front cover, and it remains one of my biggest honours uh, in my career so far. So you can check that out on my website, just a little, a little personal plug there, but Design Week continue to do this great stuff, so go and support the guys, sign up for the newsletters, and keep an eye on what they're doing, because they're a real industry leader. Uh, so I'm excited about seeing where they move from here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Thanks to Angus Mon- Montgomery. Um, go and check out the, the Illustration Limited, who kindly support the show each week, or each fortnight even. Um, at illustrationweb.com hit up the guys, go check out the awesome portfolios illustration, animation, art direction everything in between uh, they're the go-to guys in the industry I believe and really cool agents um, I'm planning on doing a, a show in the future looking at you know the role of agents in our industry because it's something that I'm always asked about at talks and 
contacted by students and it is a bit of a minefield because there are lots of different types of agents out there, different contracts, etc, etc. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Hit us up on the Twitter at ArrestAllMimics on Facebook.com forward slash ArrestAllMimics and ArrestAllMimics at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in again, guys. A uh, pleasure as always and as ever, more exciting guests coming up. Talk to you all soon.